Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Iris has, uh, well, that Iris uh, claimed 
at the beginning, and uh, we don't have to forget it. The emotional intelligence and ability, something learnable that we can educate and acquire. Another important point that uh, Daniel Goldman takes into account is the distinction between the CI, intelligent quotient, and the CE, that is the emotional quotient. Well, let me explain this a little bit uh, because it's very important. According to the psychologists, we have uh, two different minds. Uh, the one by which uh, think uh, cognitive and rhetorical mind, and the other one by, uh, by which feel emotional mind. The first one, the cognitive mind, carries out some processes uh, such as comprehension, uh, thinking, uh, reflection, etc. Uh, the second one, the emotional mind, is the one uh, which causes us uh, following our impulses and instincts. And depending on the ability we have uh, to control and manage our emotions, we will de develop our CE, uh, one CE or another. Uh, well, for example, if you have split up with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you do not stop uh, thinking about that, the more you reflect on that, the sadder you are going to be. It is because our thoughts are very aligned with our feelings. However, in most of the cases, cognitive and emotional minds are connected, having plenty of control over the emotions. A high CE helps us to develop our rational skills better. A high CA. What a great psychologist is that Goldman, right? Uh, we have to continue with him uh, now with uh, our five different components on which uh, we can focus in order to develop our emotional intelligence. Um, these five components are self-awareness, uh, motivation and patience, uh, social awareness, social skills, and self-regulation. Self-awareness, right? Well, it's the awareness we have about our internal states, our emotions, resources and intuition. In other words, the ability to recognize a feeling or an emotion just in the moment it appears. Motivation and passion means the way we encourage ourselves in order to reach our goal. Social awareness is the ability to recognize and understand others' emotions, feelings and needs and to be able to comprehend how others feel or what they need. Uh, the development of the empathy is essential and instead social skills are the set of skills that allows allows us to relate as well as possible with other people such as for example such as leadership persuasion etc okay and we cannot forget about uh, self-regulation and management uh, which is the ability to control our emotions feelings and impulses we have to avoid being dominated by our own emotions and instincts. Well, guys, um, how can applicate this? Quite complex, huh? We particularly are uh, interested on in applying this information into the field of education. It's usually um, developed on companies such as Google, uh, who is at the same time offering courses in which it's thought to develop our emotional intelligence. Well, we have the example of Illinois, in where students are provided with emotional intelligence courses and, as a consequence, they improve their marks up to uh, 50%, suspensions decreased up to 44%, and students were having a more positive behavior. And also, mindfulness is another aspect to take into account. Uh, okay, let me explain that. Uh, during 10 minutes, require the students to relax and to be aware of which thoughts come up to their mind. So the thing is that this technique helps students from Illinois to develop emotional intelligence as mindfulness allows you to pay more attention to your thoughts. Well, but we cannot say that mindfulness is the only technique that there is in order to develop emotional intelligence. Uh, we also have the work of Lazarus and Folkman, who suggested that the strategies used in order to face certain situations should be related and guided by the emotions and, as a consequence, to the problem itself. Uh, however, this work was, was followed by Stetschow, 
who define it for strategies? Yes, um, the first strategy is focused on the attitude you have towards a problem. That is, how you try to deal with it, how you avoid having it, etc. Focuses on the content. And the second strategy is focused on the way in which we perceive the problem. For example, if we see it as a horrible and terrible thing, or as something that has its strengths and weaknesses. Uh, right, and the third one is based on the emotion and tries to reduce the emotional impact that a problem has or tries to better it. The last one also, uh, also focuses on emotions, tries to manage the emotional alternation that a problem produces. Right, and when these strategies fail to succeed, uh, there are uh, negative consequences uh, such as what is known as the burnout. When a person suffers the burnout, he or she has an emotional tightness that does not allow him or her to feel self-fulfillment. Not only it affects the person, but the people who surround her, as that person tends to become distant, negative, or to lose contact with other people. And what's more important, they dehumanize people. That's it. Well, guys, uh, let's go break. Um, for all our audience, uh, stay tuned for the next topic. Okay, now let's go to the topic cooperation and competition. Guys, can you do a short introduction of this team? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, first, we can define what cooperation and competition. Cooperation consists in working together several people for a mutual beneficial purpose. And the competition consists in a powerful rivalry in order to achieve a purpose. Well, and cooperation is important also for students and for teachers. Uh, teachers need the cooperation for the policy market and students um, to be able to work together. Right, and um, one important person who treated this team was Hento, who affirmed that in order to a cooperation process exists, it is necessary the existence of different factors. For example, the existence of a common interest and common objectives, and attitudes of respect, ideological pluralism, free expression of ideas and, of course, the division of the tasks. On the other hand, Bonals says that the skills of teachers to work in DIN is usually an, an outstanding issue in most of the educational centers. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for the brief explanation. Uh, well, uh, what do you think if now we focus more first in competitiveness and then in cooperation? I think it would be easier for you. Uh, okay, Alice, it's a good idea. Some parents think that competitiveness is good for the children in order to learn discipline and motivate them. But other parents think that competitiveness doesn't, does more harm than good. In a way or in other, competitiveness is a fact of the life. One important thing is encouraging children to compete with themselves rather than with others. And also the competitiveness helps children uh, to know their own limits and to know uh, that the strengths of the other children do not limit their own uh, strengths. Years ago, the teachers adopted an individualized approach. Now, uh, teachers are adopting more co cooperative positions. That's it. Um, there are two models, the previous and the actual. In the previous one, the characteristics are the following. First one, knowledge is transferred from teachers to passive students. Second one, uh, impersonal relations between the teachers and the pupils. Third one, it encourages the memorization methods and cultural infirmity. And uh, the last one, competitive and individualist uh, environment. Then we have the actual model that have the next characteristics. First, uh, active pupils who discovers and transforms of the knowledge. Second, the labor the teacher is developing competencies, skills, and talents of the pupils. Third, uh, there is a good relation between the students and the teachers. Fourth, uh, a learning process uh, built by the teachers and students all together. And last, a cooperative environment based on a teamwork and cultural diversity. 
Thanks again, guys. Um, I would like to contribute with the explanation of different types of learning in the education. In all classrooms, the three types of models uh, must have integrated. Uh, for example, uh, cooperation, competitiveness, and individuality. Johnson and Johnson uh, propose uh, that the cooperation uh, should be used between uh, 60 and 70 percent of the time. Uh, the individualist uh, posture uh, should be used the 20 percent of the time, and the competitiveness uh, between the pair are uh, 20. Uh, can you help me, boys? Uh, of course, I will explain the competitiveness in which the success of a pupil is lined with the failure of his or other placements. There is constant fight between the winners and the losers in order to see who is the, uh, who is the best. Yes, uh, and in individualist model, the students work individually okay, at their own pace, ignoring the other party. It is necessary the effort and the perseverance. The criteria for progressing is based on their own pace. Uh, well, pupils are in class with other partners, but they work and are evaluated individually. And to end with the different types of learning in education, we have the cooperation. In this uh, type of learning, tasks are organized so that the only way to make them is the cooperation. Pupils seek the results that are beneficial for themselves, but also for the others. They feel they can achieve their objectives only when the others achieve their own. So the class is organized in small groups of people in which all the participants know the tasks of the other partners of their same group. Great explanation, guys, but you forgot one thing. That is that in order to integrate these three models, Johnson & Johnson proposed a model forming heterogeneous groups, assigning attacks for each member of the group, giving each group a cooperative activity in order to learn all the material, and we can finish saying that with the proper and equilibrated use of these three models, we can create a powerful and an effective way of learning. Well, now we're going to talk about the three types of groups in the cooperative learning. Uh, first one, formers, uh, second one, informers, and last one, cooperative groups. Uh, okay, I'm going to start with the former. This type of group uh, lasts between one hour or several weeks. Pupils work together with common objectives and they make specific stacks. Uh, the role of the teacher is serving as a um, guide for the pupils, specifying the objectives, uh, uh, taking the necessary decisions, explaining the tasks, uh, surveilling and evaluating. Okay, and now <clears throat> the informal one. These groups uh, last between several minutes until a whole class. Uh, these groups are made in an indirect way, spontaneous without preparing them. They are useful in order to focus the attention of the children on what they have to study. At last, the discussion of an activity is the informal groups, has four components. First, answering the question, sharing the answer, listening responses of the partners, and also creating a new answer. Uh, of course, joining all the responses of uh, the mate, which is cooperation. And the last one is cooperative groups, which last uh, long term around the whole academy. They are organized in heterogeneous groups and stables, and they have responsible relationship with the only objectives of effort in their task. In their task, sorry. That's it, guys. Uh, but what about the cooperation in the cooperative learning? The five elements that a teacher must incorporate in order to develop the cooperation. Uh, these elements are positive interdependence, promoter interaction, individual responsibility, interpersonal and small group skills, and finally group processing. You're right, Alex, and I think we can explain a little more about each element. Uh, the positive interdependence takes place when the students feel they are linked with the rest of the people of the group. To achieve the final result of the task, everybody must coordinate their efforts. And the authors propose three steps to structure the positive interdependence of the objectives. Okay, the first, assign a clear task to the group, 
Second, convince the pupils that they only can achieve their objectives if their mates do the same. Uh, the third, complement the positive interdependence of the objectives with other types of positive interdependence, such as the group rewards, the combination of the materials. And in this way, it is created a commitment to the success of the maze and the on which is the basis the cooperative learning. So let's go on with the promoter interaction face to face. Um, it is the result of the positive interdependence. It allows the students the efforts of the rest to reach the task and to reach also the common uh, group goal. The result is that people help each other efficiently and effectively. The steps to achieve this are, firstly, use time to people together in order to develop, uh, in order to okay, develop as a group. The second step is creating the commitment of each for the success of the other. And the last one is favor to promoter interaction between the members of the group. Well, I'll continue. We have here a personal and individual responsibility to achieve the objectives of the group, in which it's evaluated the achievement of each member and the results of the individual and the group. The group uh, must assume the responsibility uh, of achieving the objective, although each member must be responsible of fulfilling the part of the work that corresponds uh, to him or to her. The objective is that students learn together uh, in order to develop better I continue. Uh, the next element is interpersonal and small group skills. They are necessary skills to function as a part of the team. And the more you acquire these abilities, the more is the quality and the quantity of your learning. The members of the group must know how to exercise the direction, make decisions, create a climate of trust, to communicate and write conflicts, and also they need to feel motivated to do it. Miguel, can you finish with the last element, group processing? Uh, yes. In group processing, the members of the group reflect about a group session. The group must describe the actions that were useful and useless and make decisions regarding the conduct that must be maintained or changed. Very well, guys. Uh, the next topic we have to talk about is main methods of cooperative learning. Those methods have many advantages, such as profitability for the school, uh, not only about money, but also about personal energy, uh, motivation for the students. They can be ad adapted to any age, uh, any subject, or any educative level. We are going to explain some of them, like the example Dixo, uh, Learning Together, or Discovery. Let's go. Okay, let's start with Dixo, uh, which was originally created by Elliot Aronson, um, consists on a group technique in which the students are giving a topic, given a topic, and each skills uh, has to be a specialist in that part. More topic skills. Well, uh, let's start with Dixo, uh, which was originally created by Elliot Aronson. Consists on a group technique in which the, the students are giving a topic, and each child has to be a specialist in, the, in that part. All the groups will work with the same topic, and then they compare the works to share ideas. So, well, that is the best way of learning by hearing the others' project. Well, uh, learning together is another technique carried out by Roger T. Johnson. When the teacher wants to apply this technique, it uh, has to follow four steps. Uh, the first step is to choose the topic. The second is to make decisions such as the size of the groups, the students that form each group. The third step is uh, the teamwork, discussions, uh, debates. And the fourth and, and last step is supervise the team. It's uh, recommendable to make groups of four or five members to facilitate them the coordinate. Each group has to deliver one project and they receive praises and rewards from the teamwork and uh, not for the individual work. Finally, they will have an exam to show that they control the topic individually. And discovery, that is based on the investigation and inquiry of the complex teaching by Elizabeth Point and her colleagues is based on a science program for primary education 
and this method is especially used in bilingual classes. With it, the students are involved in a scientific activity carried out by experiments. Uh, by observing those experiments, they have to come up with the main scientific principles. They also apply mathematics to real situations. You have many very clear guys. Congratulations. I know the existence of some more methods that maybe we can explain a little. Uh, what do you think? We can, for example, uh, talk about teams play tournament, individualized group learning, or uh, reading and cooperative uh, integrated practice. Uh, well, Alice, in teams play tournament, it is a combination between collaboration, competition, between groups and educative games. The teacher has to explain the topic and then the students form groups. Uh, they have to work in some activities together to get the basic knowledge for the following tournament. Uh, when they acquire it, groups compete with each other in order to win, answering correctly as much questions as possible. Okay, the next one is individualized uh, groups learning. Uh, this technique is concretely established for courses from 3rd to 6th grade of primary. Uh, so, students work on mathematical exercises on an individual level. Uh, they actually are in group, but they work individually. They have to do their own exercise, but only if a member does not, how, uh, does not know how to do it, they can explain it to him and uh, show him the evidences they found. So, uh, to finish with these methods, I'm going to explain the reading and cooperative integrated writing. That technique is used in the first years uh, of basic educa education and in middle education. Students form groups between 8 and 15 members that have different levels of reading. The teacher gives them an activity to complete and they have to pass different tests. If they do it well, they receive some points and finally the group that wins receives a diploma uh, to encourage participation in next time. We are almost done, uh, but we have to compare the main methods of cooperative learning. According to Slavin, the cooperative learning methods can be compared based on the group's objectives, the individual responsibility, the same possibilities of success, team competition, um, the specialization in the task and the adaptation to the individual necessities. Yes, Alex, and uh, most of the methods use the group object objectives, that is to say, group qualifications or recognition when you achieve a pre-established criteria. All methods use an individual responsibility of the group members by means of, of a group qualification obtained through an individual qualification of each member or by the individual responsibility in a part of the group of the group task. And also the methods offered to the students the same opportunities of success. All of them have the same possibilities of participating in their team. Uh, the team competition, the specialization in the task and the adaptation to the individual necessities of the students are characteristics less frequent in this method. Well, uh, here we finish today's program. Uh, first, David, uh, we want to do a confession uh, for our audience. Of course, uh, we can say that the participation acquires a great importance in the field of training. It appears a new model of teaching based on the theory, investigation, and the application in education. And in cooperative learning, groups can be of different kinds, and the activities must must incorporate necessary elements in order to the cooperative action uh, to be effective. And the own performance and the other's performance is achieved by working, working cooperatively, creating small groups in which all people dominate the established materials. Right, boys. What an interesting problem today. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Hello, we are back from in Five Guys, and now let's start talking about communication. Communication is one of the most basic needs of the human being and a basic fact 
for development and psychological health. One of the most important characteristics is com uh, of communication is that it is our way to transmit our feelings and to understand how others feel. It is necessary to say that communication improves the development of our personality as individuals. As a simple approach, it is an exchange of information. What do you think about communication, guys? Well, I think it's a very important aspect in our society. In fact, human being is the only one who can communicate. And we cannot forget that communication nowadays is being massificated, so we have to be careful with the things we see in television, on internet, etc. Yes, same as Fernando and David said, I think that is one of the most important things that the human being have, and without it, uh, we couldn't have the life we have nowadays. Well, and as everybody knows, it's nearly impossible to go through a day without the use of communication. So, uh, well, as you know, uh, communication is sending and uh, receiving information. Uh, very well, wise. And um, when was the term communication defined? Well, uh, the word communication has existed uh, since many years, but it's not until 1948 when Weiner, with his work Cybernetics, develops a scientific definition of the term. And it's important to say that the one who had a greater impact on communication is Shannon, who with his mathematical theory said that information is an abstract magnitude that is transforming by an emitter which uses a channel to send the message to a receiver. But guys, we can't forget that social psychology communication was on a first moment, so uh, something that only works for exchanging information. Uh, we find most for who communication is the process by which an organized, uh, situated in its context causes uh, another organism to participate. Both will use the elements uh, they have in common, that is the message. Uh, okay, we know communication has always been a problem in several science, so it cannot be opposed to a single definition. So, what is the definition in the different side? Okay, well, let's start with uh, cybernetic. Uh, for this science, communication is a procedure in which the information is exchanged between several systems that belongs to a unique one. Shannon and Weaver's theory of information affirmed that all information must pass from a sender to a receiver through a channel in which the message is transferred. Then, in sociology, the main objective of the study of communication is focused its attention to the role of the spokesperson, the organization, etc., and also uh, to the mass media and the use uh, the people do of them. Of course, we have also social psychology. For this field, the goal is to get an understanding between individuals, being communication closely linked to interaction, since there is no social interaction without communication and vice versa. And the last one we have is anthropology. Communication for this field is something fundamental to the human survival, the transmission of knowledge and culture. Uh, right, boys. And now let's focus on the variables of interpersonal communication. We can start explaining the aspects of the communicative act, as communication is developed through a set of elements that complete the relationship between the spokesperson and receiver. Uh, guys? Okay, so let's talk about the spokesperson and the receiver. The person who starts the communicative act is called the spokesperson. He creates and conveys a message. The receiver is the person who receives the message. The destination of this message is known as the addressee. Then we have the message, the content you want to communicate through a channel. Talking about the channel is the path of the message from the spoken person to receiver. An important thing is the language or code which is used to present information through things with certain meaning. A thin set of things are guided by rules. And then the coding and decoding. In order for the signs to become significant, they must have a specific combination. The coding ensures that the spokesperson combines them according to the rules dictated by the code. On the contrary, uh, when the receiver intervenes 
in the message and significant change by meaning, the process is known as decoding. Also, information that includes all the signs and expressions used by the spokesperson. Well, uh, we continue with the context, which is the environment in which communication is developed. We have also metacommunication, that is the link that is created between the two communicants and the way in which each one evaluates their situation. And affecting in a negative way the communication we have, uh, the noise, which encompasses uh, everything that interferes in the proper development of the communicative process. And then we have the feedback, that is the mechanism through which the spokesperson receives information about how the message has reached the receiver. And last, uh, the communicative behavior refers to the different ways of an act and expressions that can be found in the development of communication. Uh, okay, now we move on to the different types of communication. We know the communicative conduct depends on some circumstances, which are those guys. First, we have the distance, which is the physical space that exists between the spoken person and the receiver. Then the spoken person and the receiver uh, remain different uh, three types of communication, right? Uh, the primary, which is done in small groups. The quasi-primaria, uh, which is also formed by small groups, but the truth is smaller. And finally, the secondary, which includes uh, large groups. Okay, and then we have the process of communication. The communication can be bidirectional, when communication is close, or interpersonal, or unidirectional, when it's uh, a communication of diffusion in which the media intervenes. We have also the nature of communication. It can be called, communication is based on logical knowledge or warmth. Uh, when, when communication has a greater emotional content. Restricted communication takes place when the message is focused on a particular audience and the free communication that has no limitation since the message addressed to a broad audience. Finally, the role it plays. Semantic communication, for example, has an idea of coherence for the diffusion of scenes. In aesthetic communication, the scenes can be recognized and determined according to the interpretation performed by the receiver. Uh, and what about the functions of interpersonal communication? Well, we have different functions, starting with the socialization, then symbolic, information function, educational function, and last, the cultural function, in which we can distinguish two types of culture, the popular one and the mass one. And what about the concept of nonverbal communication, guys? Well, the nonverbal communication is the form of relation most basic and elementary uh, that exists since the beginning of the humanity. Over the years, uh, the science of nonverbalism uh, has been evolving. During, uh, sorry, uh, but until the 70s, it hasn't been seriously studied. In 1970, now uh, Julius Fast uh, published a summary about body language. The supposed uh, compilation of what has been studied so far. Finally, uh, Chorus in the 80s uh, makes a formal definition about what is the nonverbal communication, which is the set of ways of expression that are no based on human language either side. Okay, so we have to take in account that there are different methodological references to analyze the factors that determine the behavior of a person through an interaction. We have behavior as an individual disposition, the behavior as a function of the environment, and the interactive variable. And for the typology of number by behavior, we use three types of stimulus, which are kinesthetic stimulus, they are physical expressions such as face expression, gestures with hands, head, etc. Paralinguistic stimulus, the nonverbal aspects that we make during a conversation, such as the tone of the voice, the accent, poses, and the proxemic stimulus, which is the use of a space where communication takes place. All these stimulus are used with a relation uh, between them, so they are connected and related. 
To sum up, nonverbal communication includes conducts such as verbal and nonverbal patterns, body and non-body guidelines, the use of space and physical contacts. And also we have to say that the body and their movements are the most important element in the nonverbal communication. This way, the spoke person can interact using their arms, head, etc. with the listener and maintain the communication. W. James established four fundamental postures. First, coming together or close up, in which you show that you are interested in with your body ahead. Also, rejection, when you are refusing the communication, usually when you are turned. Uh, then we have expansion, when you show security during the communication. And finally, contraction, when you close your body, lowering the head. Uh, it means that the communication becomes depressed. Uh, right, guys, and now let's go with the verbal communication. This type of communication is the most used to interact with other people, so the verbal language is the way to express ourselves. But in what is social psychology interest about this thing? Social psychology studies how we use this system to communicate with others and also know the influence that the individual behavior as during the process of communication. Yes, uh, the verbal language changes depending on the experience that the social group has lived and the social customs. It has two consequences in the social relation with the people. First one is influences perception. Uh, it depends on the way that the community attributes uh, meanings to the physical and social realities that it presents. On the beliefs of such social group, uh, beliefs are schemes of symbols gathered according to the cultural rule. And we can find two different basic <coughs> types of uh, verbal expressions of behavioral The first one of the which consists on the interactive and imperative form forms with modal and action verbs. And the second one of the derivative. These are more expressive and they serve to ask for something. And about the language's functions, as we know according to Jacobson, the language has different functions. Sometimes we can find several functions at the same time. Which are those? Well, uh, first one, the referential function, which is the base of our communication. And it refers to the true statements that we make. Second, we have the emotive function that it refers to the attitudes that the transmitter has in relation with the message. Then the cognitive that establishes the message between the message and the receiver. Fourth one, the aesthetic that consists in the relationship that the message has with itself. That is, that is it takes place when the message becomes attractive. Then a uh, phallic function. Uh, when message serves to maintain the conversation or to be sure that the communication is happening. And the last one, uh, metalinguistic, appears when the code uh, acquires an evaluative meaning. Uh, and what can you tell about connotation and denotation? Okay, the denotative language is formed by the significance of verbal symbols <laughs> that are socially established and officially accepted by the official body in charge of the verbal communication system. But, on the other hand, the significance of some words can have a different signification. That is due to the connotation, okay? That gives affective, affective emotive aspects rely on the person or social group. Thus, depending on the situation that the word is used, the mental representation changes and the connotative meaning sometimes is so strong that it can cancel the one. So guys, what about the types of languages? Uh, as we know, there are three types of language, uh, which are language of participation, uh, language of one's own existence, and of enhancement. Yes, the first one, the participation language. Uh, let me use an example. I Sorry, let me use as an example as here. This language has two forms. The first one is the language of share. It means when the student participates directly in class. And the second one, the language of occupation, when the student is focused in his activities without talking with no one. 
and the second one, own existing language, with the same example that Perth has used. The student do some movements with motivation and without connection with the task assigned in the class. And the student acts as individual and member of, of class. There are five movements, personal adjustment, distraction, disturbance, socialization, and facilitation. Well, uh, last one, uh, enhanced language. Uh, this language compromises non-verbal language that complement the verbal language. This mechanism emphasizes the content of communication. This language has three kinds of movements. Emphasizes, illustrate, and mind. Uh, very well, guys. Now we go on with how to improve communication in educative context. We know that when we plan how to make a good communication, we have to take into account the next aspects. Why? What are those? Well, first we need a planning of communi com communicative goals. Okay? When we make a communicative interaction, always we can plan to achieve uh, some, some objective to reach a conclusion. To a clean communication, we must clearly establish objectives and the receiver must know about them. Uh, right, now let's see how to control the communication variables as some elements influence our interaction with our interlocutors to make it more uh, clear and fluent. Uh, the elements are control of personal distances, bodily and vocal, the words and the situation. Well, with the control of distance, you need to know what kind of relation you want to have, if you want a close one or not. The first one that spoke about this uh, was Edward T. Hall, and uh, he says that everyone uh, have a comfort zone which everyone controls how close another person can be related with the trust or psychological relation they have. So that zone is called personal space. Also, we have the control over the body and the voice. Referring to how near you are to a person, how much you control the tone of your voice. And we can ruin our relationships if we are not able to control the voice. And the tone, the volume, and the velocity uh, have a specific meanings. We need also uh, control over the words. Uh, we should use the connotation aspects in our benefit to use them in the correct moment. The way we use the phrases must be adapted to the level of the receiver. This level is going to change the words and the way to say them. And finally, we should have control over the situation. It refers to dominate over the elements present in this situation and uh, it's fundamental the control in some specific situation. And um, what about in relation to the transmission? Well, to form correctly the message, we have to focus in two important aspects, the structuring of words and the solicitation to structure properly the message, we have to take uh, special attention to the elements we include and how the action should elapse. During all the communication, how we structure the message is important. And when we speak to others, we need some response from them. So we ask for it with some expressions. These expressions are verbal or physical in order to catch their attention to something you consider important. These are the name solicitation acts. Uh, well, after we receive the answers, we can analyze and sort out them with the question made. It means that we can have answers, uh, substantive, uh, instructive, verbal, non-verbal, and mixed ones. So let me speak. Uh, to make easier to the other persons and the message, we must consider some considerations. First one, uh, calm and objective attention. Then uh, to show the other person that we are listening. Then uh, to show we are ready to help them when the, the other person needs. And finally, when the other person makes a stop, we must say stay challenge. Another very important thing is the feedback. Right, guys? Yes, it is. Uh, with the feedback, we show to the other person uh, that we are ready to communicate about what he or she is saying. This process has a modificative or evaluative value during the communicative act. And we have different models to carry out feedback. For example, repeating what we just listened, 
uh, summarizing the last arguments set or valuing the communication. So guys, with this we finish stop. We hope you can improve your communication skills with the information we have given you. We'll be back just in a moment after a short break with our next topic. So stay tuned. Uh, welcome back again to Five Guys. This will be the last topic of today and we will talk about interpersonal, relationship and affiliation. Same as always, I have here with me Fernando Infante, Hi. David Álvarez, Hi. Uh, Alejandro Vázquez, Hello. and Alejandro Chávez. Hello. So let's begin, guys. What do you expect of this topic? Well, this is one of the most important topics in social psychology and I think we will have a lot of information to talk about. That's it, Fred. So, can anyone tell me how much we start to talk about this topic? Me. Okay, or yours? <laughs> we have to start defining two concepts. Affiliation and interpersonal relations. Affiliation first is when a person uh, joins to a group of people. Being a part of a group gives to the person a sense of belonging and requires obligation and benefits for the ones who are inside this group. For example, if I have two candies left, and I don't want one of them, I will give them to her, for example. That is uh, from my group of friends rather than to a man in the bus station. Great explanation, Alejandro. But what about interpersonal relations? Interpersonal relations are in charge of the analysis of the conduct of the individual while interacting with others. Inside this stage, uh, we're going to see how the relations will change depending on the person, the circumstances, and the atmosphere. Thank you, Alex. Let's move to the differences between intrapersonal and interpersonal relations. Uh, David, can you start? Of course, I can. Intrapersonal is our conscience, the ability to know how we are and what we want. Then, interpersonal are the relations between people. For example, I would like to eat a piece of chocolate right now. However, Alex wouldn't like that and would rather eat something salad such as pizza, for example. That is because our conscience tells us what we really, really want. Uh, excellent, David. Uh, same as always. What about theories about this topic, guys? Well, Elton Mayo developed the theory of the human relation. According to him, the human relations management theory is a researched belief that people desire to be part of a supportive team that facilitates development and growth. Therefore, if employees receive special attention and are encouraged to participate, they perceive their work has significance and they are motivated to be more productive, resulting in high quality work. And this theory was possible because of previous studies such as, for example, Individual attention and recognition aligns with the human motivation theory. Many theories supported the motivational theory, and studies also supported the importance of human relations. Well, uh, Mayo tries to explain the changes, uh, which can use uh, the relations between humans uh, and that are why we wanted to demonstrate these ideas by doing this experiment. The question here was, uh, what was the perfect illumination uh, required for workers to be most productive in their jobs? The investigator uh, divided workers into two groups, the control group and the experimental group. The control groups uh, had no changes made. However, the experimental groups uh, suffered different changes. In this case, the interventions consisted of nothing more than installing electric light uh, bulbs of diverse sizes. It is clear that the productivity was better uh, when they had a higher illumination than when they had a low water levels. But they noticed that, il il that, sorry, that illumination was uh, just a variation in productivity. The important thing was that the attitudes of the employees and well, with this experiment, we reach a conclusion that it's amazing how things can change just by aiming people to do a better work. 
However, in this case, it's very important the motivation as you could see. And in conclusion, we know that depending on the interpersonal relation we have, it can change our way of doing things. Uh, what an interesting theory. Guys, let's talk about another one. Social exchange theory. Yes, uh, this theory um, explains social change as a process of negotiated exchange uh, between parties. Social exchange theory posits that human relationships are formed by the use of a subjective cost-benefit analysis and the comparison of alternatives. This theory has roots in economics, psychology, and sociology. Social exchange theory features many of the main assumptions found in rational choice theory and structural. It's also used uh, fre quite frequently in the business world to imply a two-sided, mutually contingent and rewarding process involving transactions or simply exchange. Uh, it has been generally analyzed by comparing human interactions with the marketplace. Under this perspective, every individual is trying to maximize its win. Once this concept is understood, it is possible to observe social exchanges not only in marketplaces but also in other social relations like friendship, for example. Social exchange process brings satisfaction when people receive as much as he or she has given. So it's, fair, so it's a fair exchange. Uh, rewards and costs are the ones who drive relationship decisions. Uh, both parties in a social exchange uh, take responsibility uh, for one another and depend on each other. The elements of relational life include uh, costs, which are the elements of relational life have negative value to a person, such as the effort uh, put into a relationship and the negative of a partner. Costs can be time, uh, money, effort, etc. And then uh, the rewards, uh, which are the elements of a relationship that have positive value. Rewards can be sense of acceptance, uh, support, and companionship, for example. Uh, okay, so I understand that worth is the same that rewards minus cost, right? That's it, Miguel. And if worth is a positive number, it is a positive relationship. On the other hand, a negative number indicates a negative relationship. The worth of a relationship influences its outcome or whether people will continue with a relationship or terminate it. Positive relationships are expected to continue for a very long time, while negative ones will probably finish. In a mutually beneficial exchange, each party supplies the wants of the other party at lower cost to self than the value of the resources that the other party provides. In such a model, mutual relationship satisfaction ensures relationship stability. So the formula now will be outcome uh, is equal to rewards minus cost. Nail it, man. All right, so let's move to the third theory of today, social penetration theory. It was created by Alma and Taylor, and they believed that relations include different levels of intimacy, of exchange, or a scale of so uh, social penetration. This affirmation is very included uh, with the premises that they developed inside the theory. The theory suggests a model of phases for the development of a relationship. Okay, so the first phase is the orientation. Um, when an when individual behaves according to the social and cultural standards that they taught. And the second phase is the affective exploratory exchange. When individuals shows more about his internal me, in this case, the real person, the real personality. Phase three is the affective exchange, uh, when the individual is more spontaneous and comfortable on the level of intimacy or vices. Phase four is the stable exchange. Uh, great, let's move to the final theory, the uncertainty reduction theory. We develop uh, this theory, guys. Okay, well, this theory was developed by Charles Berger and Richard Calabres in 1975. And it explains initial interaction between strangers, where we are always motivated to reduce uncertainty about the other to predict how they will act. How can we create certainty from uncertainty? Berger says 
that there are eight keys relationship variables that um, help us feel a little bit more comfortable on this new environment. Uh, can you guys tell me everyone? You can say two is one, right? Of course, I, I decide. First one is verbal communication because the more that we talk to the person, the more comfortable we get with them and the less social anxiety we have. The second one, oh yes, for example, the non-verbal word. This works on the same way than the first one. I was going to say those first. Well, um, the third one could be the information checking that is the opposite to the first one because the more uncertainty we have about a new person, the more questions we will have about them. And for one, uh, reciprocity, for example. But certain networks and similarity could be another two case piece, right? Because the more we have in common with a person, the less anxiety we are going to feel. That's it, David. And the two left are lacking, that it evokes uh, less uncertainty because we were more comfortable. And the last one is self-disclosure. Uh, okay, and now it's the turn of behavior in front of the people. As there are too much, we are only going to say one for each person, okay? So, who wants to start? Me, <coughs> for example. Uh, one of the most important behaviors, in my opinion, is uh, kind or helpful. It is the one that has a good or benevolent nature or disposition. I'll go now. An extrovert person, for example, is an energetic and happy person who enjoys being with other people. So another behavior could be organized. This type of people arrange uh, and plan things well. They organize the time so they can do a lot of things during the day. And a creative person is, for example, the one who is good at thinking of um, new ideas and making interesting things. Uh, I'll say another one to finish this part. A uh, worried person. This type of people used to be unhappy because they are always thinking that bad things are going to happen. So let's move to another part of the topic, which is the types of relations with the other people. Uh, we can distinguish between friends and couple, right? So as you are for, Chavez and Fer can use the types of relation according to friends, please. Okay, so first uh, we have the loyal best friend which is the one who lets you be a hot mess and knows all of your deepest and darkest secrets, but still loves you all the same. Then, the fearless adventurer, which is this kind of friend who will pull us uh, out of those shells and introduce us to new ideas, cultures, philosophies, and activities. Then, the one who has a brutally and honest confidence with you, uh, the one who always tells you the truth, even if it's good or bad for yourself. And I think that people, uh, la uh, people like that, sorry, are hard to come by these days. So we must hold on to this person. That's it, Alex. I'm going to say two more, and then David and Alejandro will talk about couples, right? So the fourth type of friend could be the wise mentor. This Jackson once said, never look down on someone unless you are helping them out. So if you have someone smart, inspiring, and admirable in your life who practices this philosophy, you're extremely lucky. We all need a friend who a friend sorry who inspires us to be better people without making us feel inadequate. And finally, a friend from a different culture. For example, if everyone had a friend uh, a friend uh, from a different culture, the world would be a, a much better place because we knew more about everyone. Well, what will you? Would we do with our friends, right guys? Yeah. Well, so now uh, there are several types of couples nowadays, but I'm going to say three, which are probably the most common. First, we have the compassionate love, which is the one that you have been together for several years, still feel very close and connected emotionally. Then, infatuation love, when you have not planned Plan for your future together, and you have a strong sexual drive and a need for physical and romantic contact with each other. Finally, you are in love and have a strong sexual desire for one another, and are very close and connected emotionally, but have yet to discuss any future plans that would include a decision to commit only to each other. 
All right, so my types of my types of relations are going to be like that happens when <clears throat> you have been together for only a couple of months and also you feel you have uh, become close and are connected emotionally. You have yet to become passionately involved or think about your future commitment. And to finish, the empty love. That is when you have been married or cohabitating with a prolonged time and still verbally proclaims your love for each other, but admits to having lost much of the emotional connection, as well as the sexual desire that you want back. Very well, guys. So let's drop it here. Hope you all like this program. Thank you for joining us and listening. We expect you have learned something, and as always, the five of us will come again next week. Here in five, guys. See you. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.